When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Cudlow. I'm David Asman, in for Larry Cudlow. Well, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell stuns Washington by announcing he's stepping down from his leadership post in November. Listen. To serve Kentucky in the Senate has been the honor of my life. To lead my Republican colleagues has been the highest privilege. It's time for the next generation of leadership. The eight-term senator is going to continue to serve on Capitol Hill through September 27th as a senator. But who will take over as leader of Republicans in the Senate? We're going to be asking Senators Eric Schmidt and Ted Cruz straight ahead. Meanwhile, President Biden delivering remarks from the White House on his actions to fight crime and make communities safer across the U.S. But guess what he failed to mention? The horrendous uptick in crime by illegal migrants. Our very own Chad Pergerman, Edward Lawrence are standing by with details on all these stories. First up, Fox News senior congressional correspondent Chad Pergram, live from Capitol Hill on Mitch McConnell stepping down as leader. Interesting day, Chad. Absolutely. Well, Mitch McConnell is the longest serving Senate leader from either party, both in the majority and minority. He became leader in 2007. McConnell suffered from health problems last year. McConnell quoted from the book of Ecclesiastes on the floor. So it's time for me to think about another season. But Father Time remains undefeated. I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back hoping colleagues would remember my name. McConnell does not have as much control of Senate Republicans as he once did. McConnell failed to get a majority of Republicans to support aid for Ukraine two weeks ago. GOP Texas Senator Ted Cruz said it was time for McConnell to go. McConnell says he knows how to read the room. Believe me, I know the politics within my party at this particular moment in time. I have many faults. Misunderstanding politics is not one of them. McConnell is known for refusing to hold a hearing for Merrick Garland to sit on the Supreme Court. He established a new procedural precedent for confirming Supreme Court justices bypassing filibusters. McConnell muscled through the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett days before the 2020 election. Lasting political movies made as leader, changing the Supreme Court. 
and as a result, we reverse Roe versus Wade. Now we live in the Dobbs era, and we see the chaos that's created. McConnell stays on board until later this year, names to watch GOP whip John Thune, former whip John Cornyn, and John Barrasso of Wyoming. GOP Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton is also interested in a leadership bid. David? Another historical moment for Washington, D.C., chronicled by our own Chad Pergram. We've had a lot of them, Chad. Good work. Thank you very much. Now let's Thank bring you. in Edward Lawrence, live from the White House, on President Biden's remarks today. Edward. Uh, David, the president going for his physical today, the president saying that everything is squared away. He says that his doctors actually told him he looks too young. Now, the president spent several hours at Walter Reed Medical Center. He did not get a cognitive test, but the White House press secretary says the president doesn't need one. The president doesn't need a cognitive test. That is not my assessment. That is not my assessment. That is the assessment of the president's doctor. Uh, that is also the assessment of the neurologist, uh, who has also made that assessment as well. So after seeing his doctor, the president spoke about making communities safer and fighting crime, highlighting how much money his administration is spending on public safety in cities across the country. We have the largest federal investment in fighting crime and preventing violent crime at any time in our history. And that's a big deal. He did not mention crime by migrants crossing the border illegally, though. Republicans calling out the president for crime, especially those committed by migrants. Countless victims of crimes in New York City, in New York State, and across America. Because the people that come here in violation of our law Thank us, thank us by saying the heck with you, the heck with your children, to heck with America, to heck with your laws. And we're starting to see the impact of some of the crimes uh, by migrants in large cities around the country. The poll numbers have the president underwater on immigration as well as crime. Back to you, David. Yeah, that was quite an oversight when you consider what's happening in New York and Chicago and L.A., et cetera, all these uh, migrant gangs. Edward, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Joining me now is Missouri Senator Eric Schmidt. Senator, great to see you. You're kind of a newcomer compared to uh, Mitch McConnell. Of course, anybody is compared to Mitch McConnell. Nobody's been a leader that long. Um, and I, I got to start by saying something positive. I know there's a lot of people saying some negative things, but without him, as bad as our whole legal system seems to be now with lawfare and all of the other problems, it could be a lot worse were it not for his work getting some pretty good judicial appointments in, right? Yeah. I mean, I look at some of those big wins on the Supreme Court. Uh, those are monumental and, and generational and uh, certainly appreciate his service. You mentioned it. Uh, I'm one of the younger members, one of the newer members. I'm, I'm that senator sitting in the back row now, as he referenced, <laughs> hoping people know my name, I guess, uh, and recognize me walking around. But, uh, you know, now that he's made that announcement, I'm sure there'll be a lot of attention uh, turning to, you know, who would follow him. And, and I think for me, as, again, somebody that uh, was recently elected and come from a state like Missouri, just want to see somebody who's, you know, reform-minded, yes. uh, conservative leader, somebody that I think will lead us to greater prosperity, you know, lead the party here in the Senate. It's an important role, and, and hopefully we'll be in the majority uh, after November. Well, and, and you in, used a very interesting word that can be used in different ways, reform-minded. What do you mean by reform, and, and was, was Senator McConnell a help in, in reforming things or a hindrance? 
Well, I think there's a few things. There's some, there's some of the inside baseball. I mean, look at the way Chuck Schumer runs the floor right now. It's these omnibus monstrosities that are unveiled, you know, at midnight. No time to read them and vote for this or you, vote, or you support a government shutdown. That's a false choice. I think we need to have an open process on the Senate floor. It's supposed to be the world's most deliberative body. That's not what we see right now in Washington under Chuck Schumer. We don't see open amendment process. We don't see, you know, time to debate these bills. Uh, I'd like to see that change. So whoever the, the new leader will be, it's certainly some of the questions I'll ask. But then also, you know, look, uh, our, as a party, we, we represent working people. We ought to be for energy dominance. We ought to be for a secure border. We ought to be moving legislation when we get in the majority after November that move, you know, makes Americans more prosperous. I think that's what people expect. When we get out on the campaign, we talk about things that we actually go do those things and deliver those things for the American people. So I'm sure over the next several months as yeah. this kind of unfolds, there'll be, be some of the questions I'll be talking to my colleagues about. I do want to mention a few people because there are personalities. Personalities are included with what we get from senators. And uh, some people look at Senator, the, the longer term senators, not the newbies like you, but, but Senator Cornyn or Thune, and see them as, as sharing something in common uh, with Mitch McConnell, which is they care, they care so much about the Senate as a body that sometimes they care a little less than perhaps they should on, on party unity. They look at somebody like Senator Barrasso and thinks he might be the right kind of middle guy who shares your vision of reform, uh, but also cares a lot about the deliberative body. Well, look, I've got a good relationship with all of them, and I fully intend to whoever's running. I don't know if that's an exhaustive list or, or if any of them actually will throw their name in the hat. We're obviously just hours after this announcement, but, uh, but have important conversations, substantive conversations on, on you know, what all this looks like moving forward. I can tell you that uh, I will, I'm struck by the disconnect that happened that's, that's here in Washington in many ways. They're very different conversations that we're having here in Washington when you're home when you're talking to people about the things that they care about. So for me, you know, I'll be looking for a leader that speaks to that, that actually we're the party you know, of the people who are going to fight for them. We're going to take on uh, you know, these, the ridiculous uh, agenda that we've seen from Joe Biden and the Democrats and move America in the right direction. And maybe at the very least, just get back to regular order, something that, yeah. that you know, for several hundred years the, the Senate was pretty good on. It kind of lost track of that, I guess, about 40 years ago. Do you think we can get back to regular order, like coming out with a regular budget? I hope so. I mean, look, that's what people expect us. And also think a lot of the tension that you see here, uh, there is a bit of a pressure release valve when people from, you know, very different states have a chance to go onto the Senate floor and say, hey, I have an idea. I have an amendment. And you try to build support for that. Right now, rank and file members, Republicans and Democrats, quite frankly, are shut out of that process. This should not be a situation where four people two people in the House and two people in the Senate are deciding something that's like a, you know, a stone tablet that no one can amend yeah. or change. I think that's the kind of reform I'm looking for. And you're seeing that there's conversations among members, Republicans and Democrats. I think there's a bubbling up that individual members want to be empowered. And look, you might win some, you might lose some, but at least you get a shot because that's why I ran for office is to advocate for the people of my state to try to, you know, put this country in the best position possible in the people. Yeah. So uh, that, that's the kind of stuff I think that for me will be a big focus. Let me switch to something that you handled before you were actually in the Senate, and that is this continuing saga with the president and his student loan forgiveness. 
uh, something that you helped challenge in the courts. The Supreme Court made a decision. You can't do all these hundred billion dollar plans to uh, retire student debt unless the Congress weighs in and votes some kind of bill in order to do it. And yet the president keeps on doing it. He lost it at the Supreme Court uh, with Biden versus Nebraska. I think you were a part of that, uh, about bringing that decision to the Supreme Court. And yet he continues to do it. Who's going to stop him now? I mean, who's is, is there another state getting ready to sue him to take him to court again? I hope so. I mean, Missouri, when we brought that lawsuit with a bunch of other states, including Nebraska, we had the standing hook because Missouri had a loan servicing agency that was ultimately the big question before the Supreme Court, who can bring this lawsuit? And I was, you know, proud to help lead that effort because it saved taxpayers literally a half a trillion dollars. That was the price tag. And he had no authority under the law to do it. It was just some, you know, craven, uh, cynical desire to get votes. And I think it's the abuse of the administrative state in that way. Again, another kind of reform I'd like to see happen where we disempower these bureaucrats that aren't accountable to anybody and put that power back in the Article 1 branch. If you think it's such a good idea, Congress should have to vote on it. Then voters can judge us by our votes, which is why these things should be separate, uh, individual appropriation bills and you name it. But, yeah, he's back at it again, and uh, it's a lawless administration. There's no law that they won't bulldoze to get their way. The Democrats are the party of open borders and, and lawlessness, and that's what we're seeing in their actions, whether it's on student loans or at the border. Well, that's very interesting you say that, because that was going to be my next question, kind of bringing it out broadly. And the next president, if if he is a rep- he or she is a Republican, uh, the question is, will they tackle the, the, the sort of demise of faith that Americans have in our system of law and order now because of all the, the lawfare that's going on against particular politicians or policies they don't like? Uh, I mean, is is there any way to restore the trust that many Americans have lost in our system of 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 law and order? Well, I think that's why the Republican Party has to be the reform party. We have to fight against these abuses of the administrative state, uh, the recklessness that we saw with the Biden censorship regime. When I was attorney general, we filed the Missouri versus Biden lawsuit that's going to be heard before the Supreme Court. A federal judge has already called it uh, Orwellian because of the censorship that took place on millions of Americans. The Democrats are literally trying to take President Trump off the ballot and throw him in jail for the rest of his life. So I don't need any more lectures about, quote, unquote, threats to democracy from the Democrats. They're talking about themselves. So I think we've got to restore trust. How, uh, though, Senator? I I mean, I don't mean to press you too hard, but how can we do that? How do you regain trust that you've lost? Yeah, well, I think we've got to get rid of a lot of these people at the top who are leading these decisions, right? I mean, Merrick Garland is they're going after Catholics. They're going after parents who showed up to school board meetings. And we have to have, you know, so you're talking example, about legis- you're talking about Director Ray at the FBI. Yeah, well, look, and also I've got a, I've got legislation here that says if you've been censored, an individual in America then can sue that individual government bureaucrat to provide accountability. So it mm-hmm. wouldn't just be a state like Missouri and attorney general, but you as a citizen, if you've been censored, you can sue that individual. That would, I think, send the right message that we're not going to tolerate censorship. That's just one example. Yeah. Uh, but I think making sure we have a secure border has got to be at the top of right. the list. You see right. the crime that we see in fentanyl. That'll be something that well, by I know the way, President Trump will be focused on. I don't know if you heard the president today. This has got to be the last question. But he was talking about crime. He said not a word about this dramatic and horrible increase in, in violent crime from a lot of the illegal migrants, many of whom 
presumably were let out of jail by Venezuelan President Maduro. Uh, I don't think it's coincidental that there is this gang connection with Venezuela and a lot of the crime being committed on the streets of, of our city. So uh, wasn't it irresponsible of him not to say a word about that? Yes, and by the way, that's a true. In Venezuela, a lot of their they had terrible criminal activity there. They got them all out of their country, and they're here. Yeah. A lot of them are here now. And this is a very inconvenient truth for the Biden administration. But look, David, the truth is they're the party of open borders. This is what they believe. And now we're seeing the results play out in real time. Yeah. You've got sanctuary cities now pulling back on that because they've seen the disaster. The American people see it. And we've got to have a secure border. Senator Eric Schmidt, uh, one of the newcomers in the Senate, saying goodbye at least to the leadership of, of Senator McConnell. Thank you very much for being here. Good to see you. Sure thing, David. Coming up, Senator Ted Cruz, who once called on McConnell to step down. It was just a couple of weeks ago, and now Senator McConnell has. We're going to ask the senator who he thinks should replace him. And Joe Biden heads to the border tomorrow. Is he really going to take credit for what Texas did to slow the flow of illegals? All of that when Cudlow continues. Fox Business reporters are covering the biggest stories. Why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners? Now, the former president's legal team has confirmed he will appeal. With Critical Democracy 24 coverage. We've talked to a lot of caucus goers. The line to vote has been out the door. Breaking down business news headlines. The fishermen say that's just a bridge too far. This is the biggest retail tech show. This is outfitted with this remarkable AI software. Fox Business invested in you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I think it is. That was short and sweet. Joining us now is Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, thank you for being here. Certainly appears that Leader McConnell got the message, whether it was you in particular or a combination of a lot of folks saying the same thing. What is next in the search for his replacement? What kind of what kind of leader are you looking for? Well, listen, let me say at the outset that, that now is a time to recognize uh, Mitch's long and, and honorable service, that, that, that he's the longest leader in Senate history. And uh, he made the judgment that, that now is the time to move on, and, and, and I certainly respect that judgment. Uh, I will say in terms of legacy, I think he has many legacies, but the most consequential, uh, I believe, has been the nomination and confirmation of hundreds yes. of principal yes. constitutionalists to the federal judiciary. And, and at lunch today, I, t I, I told Mitch, I said, look, that, that legacy will outlast all of us. And, 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 and so that's yeah, a lot to celebrate. Absolutely. I, by the way, I, I just want to jump in for a second because I was talking to Senator Schmidt about that. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but um, for all of the problems we have with our legal system right now, the lawfare that's going on, the, the yeah. two-tier justice system, et, et cetera, imagine how worse it would have been had Mitch McConnell not been leader of the Senate. No, that, that is exactly right. And, and elections have consequences. And the American people, number one, for a significant amount of time, elected a, a Republican majority in the Senate that produced 
very clear results in terms of the U.S. Supreme Court and, and all the federal courts. And then the American people elected Donald Trump as president in 2016, and that changed the course of yeah. history. And if you yeah. look at the Supreme Court now, we have principled constitutionalists there that are defending the Bill of Rights and our fundamental liberties and, and the rule of law. And that is incredibly important, especially right now when we have what I believe is, is a lawless administration to have a court that holds them to account is really important. But, you know, you have a leader of the Senate right now uh, who, is, who actually has come out and, and said things about the Supreme Court that never used to be said. I mean, has actually threatened members yeah. of the Supreme yes. Court. Uh, and when you're dealing with a majority leader uh, like that, so I'm, of course, talking about Senator Schumer, uh, you can't play softball. And some people say that that was part of the problem with Mitch McConnell over the past couple of years. He's playing, playing yeah. too much softball with a, with a person who has, you know, brought a gun to a night fight. Right. Look, I, I, I have had long disagreements with Mitch McConnell for, for the 12 years I've been in the Senate. You played a snippet of that just at the outs, outset of that segment. And, and so my views have not been, been subtle or difficult to ascertain. Um, I think today, with his announcement, is a time to, to respect his service. There is no doubt uh, the Senate conference will very quickly move on to a discussion of who should be the next leader. And I expect that to be a really vigorous discussion. Uh, I suspect many of my colleagues may put their, their names f forward. And, and what I'd like to see is, is, is a the next leader be someone who is strong, who has courage, who, who, who will actually stand up and fight and lead. And... and and I'd like to see the Republican conference for us to do what we said we would do, to actually fight for the promises we said we'd fight for and deliver on our promises. And I think whoever the next leader is, I, I think that's really front and center most critical. All right. I want to switch to your home state of Texas because yeah. we have a big day tomorrow with uh, a former president and a current president, both visiting very different views on how to deal with the border. Uh, one president, of course, had success in, in diminishing the number of migrants coming across that border. That's uh, Donald Trump. The other one has essentially opened it up. It's four times yep. worse than it was in President Trump's last year right now. I, I'm just wondering, do you think, and of course the Texas border has been relatively secured by the people of Texas, not by the federal government, but by the governor spending their own money in Texas, closing it up. The, a lot of the migrant uh, traffic has moved to Nevada and to uh, California as a result. But President Biden's going to go there tomorrow. Do you think he's going to take some kind of victory lap claiming that the, the, the diminishing number of migrants is a result of something he's done? Well, listen, I will be down at the southern border with President Trump tomorrow, and, and I'm glad President Trump is coming back. Joe Biden, I was down at the border just this weekend, and, and I invited Joe Biden come to the border, but, and he did. The next day he announced he was coming, but it's interesting. What I said when I said come to the border is I said come to the border and see the misery and suffering that your open border policies have caused. Look at the dead bodies, the 853 migrants who died last year crossing illegally into this right. country. Look in the eyes of the little children brutalized by human traffickers. Look in the eyes of women violently raped by human traffickers. Look, look at the families who, who have lost over 100,000 loved yes. ones to drug overdoses and take responsibility. You know what, David? I'm confident Joe Biden will do none of that. Yeah, he went to right. the border one other time during his presidency. He went to El Paso. Well, that's right, and, 
in El Paso, what they did is they cleaned it all up. So afterwards, the White House said he did not see a single right. illegal immigrant. It was reminiscent of when oh. China's President Xi went to San Francisco and they removed the homeless people and criminals. Well, it was and also it reminiscent. And, it was reminiscent of the Potemkin villages that uh, yes. that Joseph Stalin used to set up. I, I, I just want to be. I, I do think that it's not just at the border, though. I think all over the country now, because this Absolutely. thing has spread the effects of this thing, not only in terms of the cost, but in terms of the crime. And we had that horrible case of the murder of the uh, the woman down at, uh, in Georgia. And yeah. the Athens, Georgia mayor was speaking in a press conference day. It turned into a town hall. I want to play a snippet of that and get your reaction. Roll it. Liar. Many of the elements. Liar. 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 We, Liar. we are here to listen. Liar. You are guilty and got blood on your hands for this murder, sir. Now, that is, I, I don't think it always goes to those extremes, but it shows the frustration of Americans with this situation of the border and all of the crises that result from an open border. Yeah. I, I think it, there's a reason why it has become the number one issue in American politics, right? Well, listen, Joe Biden and the Democrats in Congress are deliberately endangering the lives of every American. If you look at Lake and Riley, a beautiful 22-year-old woman, a nursing student in Georgia, she was murdered because of the Democrats' open border policies. And, and let's, put, let's put facts to that, to, to that statement. The Venezuelan murderer who crossed into this country, we apprehended him. We had him in El Paso. You know, he was one of the illegal immigrants Joe Biden didn't see in El Paso because his team didn't let him see any illegal immigrants in El Paso. But we had him and the Biden administration released him. Joe Biden paroled him, let him go. I'll tell you what should have happened. When we apprehended him, we should have put him on a plane and we should have flown him back to Venezuela. And if Biden had done that, Lake and Riley would be alive today. After Joe Biden released this murderer, he went to New York City. In New York City, he was arrested again, this time for endangering a child. And what happened in New York? Released well, New York again. City is a sanctuary city. They released him again. They refused to notify ICE. He was let go a second time. If they'd kept him in jail in New York City, Lake and Riley would still be alive. Yeah. But the Democrats' policies are taking the lives of Americans. And we just had news break today in Prince George's County, just outside of D.C., of right. a two-year-old child oh, murdered awful. by yet another illegal alien released by Joe Biden. These open border consequences have real consequences sure and, 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 and real victims. Senator, I wish we had more time, but we've run out. Thank you very much for being here and have a safe trip to Texas tomorrow. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Coming up, why do the Bidens appear to be so quiet on China's role in the fentanyl crisis? Peter Schweizer tells us in his new book, Blood Money, and joins me coming next. Plus, Trump gains more and more support from blue-collar workers and young voters. We're going to talk about America's realignment with Joe Concha and Liz Peek. Stick around with Kudlow. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. House Republicans question Hunter Biden behind closed doors today in the impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Our own Hillary Vaughn is live on Capitol Hill with all the details. Hi, Hillary. 
Hi, David. Well, this pub, this closed-door deposition with Hunter Biden just wrapped up, and we did hear from Chairman Comer, who said the next step is the public public hearing that Hunter Biden asked for, and of course, the transcripts from this closed-door deposition today will be released, and we do know there will be something in those transcripts because Hunter Biden did not plead the fifth today. He took multiple questions from lawmakers and answered those questions, but Democrats were quick to run out of the room this morning after Hunter had been taking just an hour of questions to celebrate because they said that Hunter Biden has been vindicated. We are pouring over lots of emails and texts to try to uh, torture out um, some meaning that doesn't exist there. He has gone text by text, email by email, innuendo by innuendo, and completely debunked all of the conspiracy theories that the Republicans have been peddling for the last year. Republicans questioned Hunter Biden today about texts they obtained where Hunter threatened a Chinese business partner and mentioned he was sitting with his father, Joe Biden. The message saying, quote, I'm sitting here with my father. We would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. I am sitting here waiting for a call with my father. Hunter Biden today alluded to these communications in his opening remarks, saying Republicans have taken my communications out of context. Examples of this include a few references to my family and emails or texts that I sent when I was in the darkest days of my addiction. But Republicans in the room say that addiction doesn't explain what Hunter Biden was actually paid by these overseas businessmen to do. Hunter Biden at one point today told lawmakers he joined the board at Burisma to fight back against Vladimir Putin and counter Russian aggression. There was no uh, response when, when uh, he was pressed on what on the world was he actually delivering and making all of this money. Of course he was selling the brand. And you can't hide behind the fact that you were in, uh, you know, had addictions. You can't say on the one hand, hey, well, I didn't even know uh, that I might be sending something about a text saying, that, oh, that my father was next to me. I'm not sure about all that because, you know, I'm under the influence. How did you know he wasn't sitting next to you? And David, one of the reasons that Hunter Biden tried to avoid doing this closed-door deposition altogether was because he, him and his team were concerned about leaks from the room coming out from Republicans. But it was Democrats that rushed out of the room today to talk to the press and spill the tea about what was happening in this closed-door interview. David? And of course, they were the re they were the Democrats who were pushing the Russian hoax theory. Don't don't forget that. So they have made some mistakes in the past. Hillary, thank you very much. For more on all this, let's bring in Peter Schweizer, president of the Government Accountability Institute and author of the new book, Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans. Peter, thank you for being here. All right. So the Democrats saying he debunked every single email and text and financial evidence that we have. What about one simple question that I don't think that they've ever bothered to answer, either Hunter or James, which is why were foreign government related companies willing to give you millions of dollars? What did you do for those companies? Right. No, you're right, David. And by the way, they kept sending money. They'd send five million here. They'd send another million there. And what Hunter Biden wants you to believe is they got nothing in return, but they kept sending money. Uh, that's laughable. There's no legitimate business purpose that he uh, provided no. for this. There was no product. They brought no capital to the table. So it's really uh, a, a farce. Um, yeah. and, and that's, I think, the bottom line. Are we really at the point in America where we're going to say 
that the first family of the United States, or in this case at the time, the second family of the United States, can accept tens of millions of dollars from foreign adversaries and it's not a problem. Yeah. I mean, if and, that's possi- the rule, and possibly affect, we have got deep, possibly deep affect foreign policy uh, that might relate to, to some of the money that's coming into the family. But I just want to go over some of the emails, texts and money transfers that the Democrats say totally uh, exonerated uh, Hunter Biden. The, the first one is that that very mysterious check or there, there were actually two of them. One was for two hundred thousand. Other was for forty thousand that said loan repla- repayment. The, the, the $200,000 check, which is up on the screen now, coincided timing-wise with a particular business deal, did it not? And, of course, loan repayment, we never have any evidence of a, of a loan ever having been made. But, but what about the timing of this check? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You see money dispersed to Hunter Biden um, involving a Chinese deal, for example, and then the money gets passed around to the family. Uh, The family members aren't performing any services for these Chinese companies. Um, So it's absurd to suggest otherwise. Um, And and look, the bottom line we have got to remember, and I think Republicans have to be reminded of this, America's bribery laws are very, very clear. It does not matter if Joe Biden got a dime. If your family gets paid and you perform policy actions in return for those funds, it is bribery every bit as much as if you get the money yourself. Yeah. And 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 that's the key thing here. So it doesn't matter if Joe Biden got money. I I want to talk about that, that WhatsApp text as well from Hunter Biden, in which he said, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, my father is right here. He was talking to one of his Chinese business partners, said, my father's going to be very upset if you don't send me that check. Now, we don't know specifically uh, whether his father was right there. There are ways to track where cell phones are, whether Joe Biden's and Hunter Biden's phone were, were at the, close to each other at that time. But there, there is a lot of evidence like that that exists, isn't there? Yeah, there's not one example. There's not two examples. There's numerous examples. And we know, of course, that Joe Biden would take phone calls um, from Hunter Biden and talk to business associates to sort of show the flag. So who do you want to believe? Hunter Biden trying to spin a couple of these instances over the overwhelming accumulation of information. Uh, You know, since when did Hunter Biden become a credible witness on this stuff? They've lied since 2018 when we first exposed this stuff. All right, Peter Schweizer, I want to give the book another plug. It's called Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans. You've got to come back, talk more about fentanyl and, and why maybe the Biden administration is as tough as they should be against fentanyl. Peter, thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. Switching gears now to the 2024 election. Joining me is Joe Concha, Fox News contributor, and Liz Peake, syndicated columnist and Fox News contributor. So we had this primary last night uh, or yesterday, and uh, among other details that came out, 100,000 Dems voted uncommitted. That is essentially a vote against uh, Joe Biden, even though he's the sitting president. Nikki Haley uh, losing big against Trump. But there's a figure that you gave me as you walked in here of the number of young people that are for Biden right now that astounded me. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, it's not just Arab Americans who voted uncommitted in Michigan. It was also young people. If you look at the numbers in Ann Arbor, for example, college town, they were overwhelmingly uncommitted. But what I mentioned coming in was a Harvard-Harris poll that just came out showing that two-thirds of Gen Gen Z, which is 18 to 24-year-olds, 
approve of Donald Trump's presidency. Now, a lot of them weren't voting age. They weren't even really, they're they practically yeah. children when he was president. But nonetheless, it's a very strong indication that that animus that was supposed to be held by young people versus Donald Trump, I think it's bogus. I think it's changed. And we saw that in Michigan. I think we're going to see a lot of right. it, David. Then we have the blue collar votes leaving, uh, leaving Joe Biden particularly, yeah. but the Democratic Party in general. We had uh, Sean Fain on a, a couple of weeks ago. He's the UAW president. Of course, UAW, its home is in Detroit. Uh, here's what he said. He's, he favors Biden, but not all of his members do. Roll tape. Look, let me be clear about this. A great majority of our members will not vote for President Biden. Uh, yes, some will. Uh, but that's the reality of this. The majority. He, wow. he was willing to say that. If the election were held today, David, Liz, Donald Trump is your 47th president for this reason. For starters, he's leading in every swing state. This is a, a poll that came up from the Hill, uh, some by relatively large margins. He's up nine in Georgia, nine in North Carolina, six Arizona, ten Nevada. He lost that state twice, Trump did, five in Michigan. If Michigan goes to Donald Trump, he will win, and two groups are going to put him over the line. Blue dog, blue-collar workers there, especially in the auto industry, because they saw what Biden did as far as mandates around electric cars and knows how much that hurt them. And then black and Hispanics as well. Liz had a big number. I got an even more crazy number. All right. This comes this week and it shows from Howard University, mind you, they conducted a poll. They found in 2020 that 94 percent of blacks supported Joe Biden. That number is now down to 49 percent. Whoa. 45 point drop. If this holds, you're looking at an electoral landslide for Donald Trump. All right. And and again, Liz, it's this realignment. Larry's always talking about this realignment. The blue collar has gone from the Democrat feeling as though it's in their back pocket to Republican in many cases because yeah. they they represent the Democrats now represent the woke elite. What do the, what do auto workers have to do with uh, college? You know the government bailing well, out that, college I, loans. I was going to say that to me if if they're if Joe Biden really wants to attract blue collar workers, this student loan giveaway, the expungement of student loans, terrible idea because. Yeah. 39 percent, 38, 39 percent of the country are college graduates. They don't really think that they should be paying off anybody's student loans, David. But if you look at polling like The Economist does, every income bracket you go up favors Biden more. And every as you go down, it favors Donald Trump. I don't even think it's a realignment. I think we've been here for the last 10 years. I think it is wealthy elites and you can see it in the percentage of college graduates voting for Joe Biden, higher income people, the donors who are lining mm-hmm. up behind Joe Biden. He is the candidate of the elites, and Trump is definitely right. the blue Very color. quickly, I think we can run this. This is, this is a delicious little bit of tape we <laughs> okay. have here from the Fonnie Willis. Mm-hmm. It's not a trial, but the, the move to disqualify Fonnie Willis mm-hmm. uh, from, from the trial against Donald Trump. Roll tape. Do you think it started before she hired him? You see that? <laughs> All right, you could barely hear it, but he said, dang. Dang. Which means, you know, essentially he was set up. He said something that wasn't true. He finally reads a text that suggests that it's not true. And he has to, it was like, you got me. That was that, was that kind of a moment. So that also adds to the pylon about the Democratic message. It's all in writing. It's all in these texts. Right. Nathan Wade had no business even being hired for this case. Obviously, he was because he was, was Danny Wilson's boyfriend. boyfriend. Exactly. Yeah. He's the better call Saul of Fulton County. And now they're both <laughs> going to be disqualified. This case 
is over. I hope. Liz and Joe, Should great be. to see you both. Thank you very nice much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Coming up, <laughs> Art Laffer is next. Stick with Kudlow. Well, Republicans from the Senate to former President Trump are fighting to stop what's called a central bank digital currency. It comes as more and more countries, China and Russia, top among them, our enemies, in other words, are looking to destabilize King Dollar. Joining me now to weigh in is Art Laffer, former Reagan economist, Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient and author of Taxes Have Consequences. Great to see, Art. Well, money has consequences, too. And, and to folks, see you, David. Folks want to have the freedom. Americans have always liked the freedom to make their transactions without having to worry about Big Brother watching over those transactions. Doesn't this digital currency that Janet Yellen and others at Treasury are pushing uh, interfere with that freedom? Oh, totally. It does completely. And what it does is gives government more and more and more control over money. If you look at money, David, prior to two, uh, 1913, the money supply of the U.S. was basically... Uh, was basically in private hands. I mean, the government did define what a dollar was, one-twentieth of an ounce of gold or one ounce of silver, and they did do minting, but everyone else did minting, too, and it was the issue of currencies from banks that caused it. And we did not have inflation for the two centuries up until 1913 when the Fed was formed and the government started controlling. Since that time, there's been an enormous explosion uh, of the quantity of money and a drop in the value of each dollar to, I don't know, what is it, one-fiftieth of its value in 1913 or yeah. something like that. It's yeah. just it's just crazy how it's done. We need less government control and more private banking, which is what Bitcoin is, which these other currencies are, as far as I know and I believe. I right. think they really are the answer to the government's money problem. Well, the other thing that folks want from their money is they want the money that they earn today be worth pretty much the same as it will be a month from now or perhaps even a year from That's now. That's right. And you can't do that with $2 trillion deficits year over year, can you? Well, you can't. Uh, no, it's it's really uh, not very feasible. What you really do is need to control the quantity of money and control the price of money. I love a, a price rule where you guarantee the value of a dollar over 5, 10, 15, 20 years so we can make loans and borrowings and all sorts of future transactions knowing what the value of a dollar will be. That's why you want stability of prices. And frankly, allowing a, a government digital currency would, in fact, undermine that exactly. possibility. It really would. We need to keep it in the private hands uh, David, and I think so what's happening with Bitcoin and these other currencies is just wonderful for the world and for the country. The last minute, I want to talk about something near and dear to both of our hearts, yes, tax sir. policy, which is something that I never got the sense that Mitch McConnell, and again, he did, he did wonders with his judicial appointments and approvals, <laughs> et cetera. I never got a sense he was a, he was a supply side. He was really passionate about Kemp Roth, where you had a, a congressman, Jack Kemp, with a senator, Senator William Roth, created that wonderful Kemp Roth tax cut bill that was signed into law by President Reagan. Do you think we could find somebody like William Roth to, to deal with tax policy in the Senate? You only got 30 seconds now. Yes, you can. We can. There are lots of them there who would do a great job. Who the guy you interviewed, a guy named Ted Cruz, who just interviewed with him, he would be a perfect champion for this type of cat. Bill Haggerty, the most phenomenal senator on the planet. I mean, if you look at all these, Marsha Blackburn, we have great, great politicians in the Senate who would lead the fight for a low-rate, broad-based, flat tax, you know, and for tax sanity yeah. in this country and economic growth. Again, so nothing we've against, got perfect group Nothing against resources. Mitch McConnell. It's just you need somebody with a passion Mitch McConnell's 
cutting wonderful. taxes. He's a wonderful guy, but he didn't have that passion. Hopefully we'll get it. Love to have you, Art. Thank you very much. More Cudlow right after this. And that's all for this special edition of Cudlow. I'm David Asman. Thank you very much for watching. Liz McDonald is up next. Last night you handed it to me. Tonight I hand it to you, Liz. Oh, thank Good you, to David. See you. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.